what are the specific benefits that customers can experience from having legal or having their, their financial institution apply legal design? So uh, creating good user experiences for customers interacting uh, with any of the, dig uh, the digital interfaces uh, that an organization has um, can create positive associations with that company. Um, and, uh, you know, happier customers don't look for other providers. Mm. Um, using plain language can empower customers that maybe face illiteracy or lack an understanding of the language. Um, and that could have a positive impact on social problems like debt because people understand their obligations when agreeing to financial products. So, hi. <laughs> Avda, thank you so much for joining us. It's great having you here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. great to be here. It's, it's a pleasure. And just let's just start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. So, um, so I'm African, originally from Sudan, uh, but I spent a great deal of time living abroad because of my father's work. Um, I have a background in economics and also spatial design, um, but I've spent about 18 years now working in uh, financial institutions. And I've been lucky enough to travel the world. I've worked in New York, Hong Kong, Tokyo, London. <laughs> um, and, and predominantly, uh, most of this time, I've worked on the trading floor. So I've worked as a support function, I've worked in sales, uh, I was a trader, uh, but for the past eight years, uh, my focus has been risk management and regulations and how an organization needs to transform to, to adapt. Uh, basically, now I work uh, in Copenhagen for Nordea um, in group regulatory management, which sits in the group legal. Um, and I do a lot of uh, strategy work, so a lot of idea generation and pro problem solving. Right, okay, so I want to focus on the fact that you work in group legal because I, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with legal, right? And, and I, think, I think we know that, that legal terminology tends to be heavy, very difficult to understand. I mean, lawyers are, are famous for, for using all this complex language that needs to be ironclad when you're developing uh, contracts and, and, and documents. So my, my question to you is, do you think that the legal function has bears any responsibility in ensuring that that finance and financial services can be easily understood and, and, and user-friendly for, for its customers? So um, uh, any um, financial institution will rely on a legal function uh, in some shape or form, whether it's an in-house legal department or whether it outsources all its legal needs. Um, having legal representation is very important and that is for uh, several reasons. So you have all the customer contracts, um, policies, uh, employee contracts. Uh, these are usually written by lawyers, uh, but then you have all of your internal governance. So uh, internal rules, instructions, those are sometimes guided by a legal function. And of course, interpreting uh, regulatory information that sometimes needs lawyers. Uh, of course, not everybody working in a financial institution is a lawyer, and not everybody dealing with a financial institution is a lawyer. And so absolutely it is pertinent that these documents that influence our relationships uh, with our customers, but also internally with employees, are accessible to the average uh, user. So these documents um, basically set out the rules of engagement, if you will. And so um, it's really important that the parties that are impacted by these documents um, understand exactly what is expected, their uh, responsibilities, um, and, and that's a great way uh, to build trust 
um, and and uh, and ensure a happy customer and a happy employee. And you, we know that you need both for any organization to be successful. Okay, uh, but tell me a bit more about some of the terms that you use. You talk about internal governance and instructions. What are, what are all these? Because I think we're mostly just familiar with terms and conditions and maybe contracts. But what are, what are these other documents that you describe? Yeah, uh, so there's a, an EU legislation that requires an institution to have uh, robust uh, governance arrangements, um, risk management processes, um, and control mechanisms and policies. And, and in the simplest terms, that translates to a set of rules that an organization defines and makes available to its employees, um, which govern basically how the organization would function. Yeah, so Abda, tell us what are the, the main challenges that the legal function within, within financial services face in making their products and services more accessible to customers? So, so there's a couple of challenges. Um, the first challenge is the lack of tech solutions aimed at um, in-house legal departments. Um, I think that it's been hard to quantify the benefits of doing it in a different way versus how things are being done now. Um, and and you, we know that you need numbers to get the budget to implement solutions. Uh, secondly, there's a misconception that if you write in plain language, uh, you might miss something. And so you have all this sort of complicated legalese in documents coming out of legal departments because, you know, that's the smart way of doing it and it sounds smart. But we know that it's possible to write something succinct in plain language and still address the risks of missing something. And that, of course, is a much harder and cleverer approach than just producing massive amounts of text. Um, and, and just to caveat that also is that, you know, by law, we do need to provide the legalese uh, to customers. But I think that we can do it in a much better way, in a simplified way, in a more understandable way for customers. Right, okay. So from a fintech perspective, we've seen the entire value chain of financial services being disrupted. And we've seen a lot of innovation coming into the various parts and components of, of, of what a financial organization does. How has innovation impacted the legal function specifically? I think the emergence of a lot of smart um, fintech companies um, has um, impacted the uh, legal functions in a roundabout way. They've not only disrupted the financial industry with a lot of innovative solutions, um, but the way that they engage with their customers has also changed the landscape. Um, I think they've really brought to the forefront this idea of being open, um, engaging and inviting. I mean, if you look at some of these websites, you go to Revolut is a good example. Mm -hmm. You go to their privacy policy or their terms and condition, and it's beautifully laid out, written in plain language, uh, friendly. You could see why anybody would want to use this company's services. I think these young companies uh, really try to put themselves in the user's uh, shoes um, and they try to create something that tells customers, we understand you, we care about you, you can trust us. Um, they simplify the process also, so it's very easy for people to switch and sign up and that's how in many cases they're able to pull customers away from the traditionally large trusted institutions who've been around for over a hundred years. 
And what they're doing, I think, is very much in line with the concept of legal design. Uh, legal design is about um, human-centered design applied to the world of law to make legal services more accessible and usable. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of examples of this. Uh, the larger companies uh, following suit, like HSBC, for example, they've just revamped and, and digitized um, their retail terms and conditions to make them accessible to their customers. Um, Linklater's a very large law firm. Uh, they've now started to employ uh, legal design practitioners and they also offer legal design thinking to their uh, lawyers to encourage them uh, to become more customer-centric. Right, so, it, so if I understand correctly what you're saying, the legal function has somehow met the design function and they've merged and now there's a, there's a new discipline on the back of these two functions connecting? Absolutely. And wh where, where does that come from? <laughs> Super exciting stuff. Um, so actually, illegal design originated in the US. Um, it, I must say, it's not financial services specific. Uh, it was created primarily to target the US justice system, which is plagued with a myriad of issues. It was introduced by a lady called Margaret Hagen, who is the director of the Legal Design Lab at Stanford Law School. And basically, the human-centered approach puts the user at the center of the creative process. It's important to note that legal design is not just about um, information design and making legal information more understandable, um, but it's also about improving legal processes um, to make them easier to use and to also empower uh, lay people and legal professionals. All right, and just a second ago, you talked about the use of design principles. So what design principles are being carried over to this development of uh, legal design? So um, there's several uh, design principles, but the basic ones are uh, alignment, which is how you align um, uh, elements uh, in a document so that you avoid a jumbled look. Uh, there's balance, and that's how you place um, design elements uh, verse, um, in relation to other design elements um, to achieve balance. There's contrast, that is using a large font or boldface to highlight important information. And then there's color theory. Um, humans perceive colors uh, in different way and colors trigger different feelings. So um, that would impact how you perceive information when you read a document with certain colored fonts or certain colored lines. So the, these are the basic ones, but there are more. But one tip I would say is speak to your in-house branding and communications teams. Uh, these guys probably have a lot of resources, uh, guidelines on um, uh, colors, tone of voice, fonts, all the things that you could use to convey your company's brand and message uh, in your legal document. So, uh, so you're talking about uh, the legal function and now we're talking also about design principles and branding. So clearly there must be uh, certain skills that, that people that work in, in legal departments need to develop if they want to implement legal design effectively. What would you say are the main skills that they require? So there is a process behind uh, using legal design. Um, first you need to do some user research, uh, then user testing, and then the application of the solution that's been generated. And I think the easiest way to explain this is uh, with an example. Um, I have three children, uh, Sophia is five, Rutger is four, and Max is one. Um, Sophia loves her little brothers and she spends quite a lot of time with Max the baby. 
and he of course uh, you know he has a big personality um, he's talking all the time nobody understands what he's saying and he's just all over the place constantly distracted and so I noticed that Sophia would watch him intently um, and then she will after a while go up to him start playing with him um, she'll she'll change uh, you know the way that she communicates with him so using uh, limited vocabulary she'll wave a toy at him plays music um, and then until she kind of finds uh, what works and what gets his attention and then she'll remember what works because you know she'll come running to my rescue when I'm struggling to get him to focus if I'm trying to feed him or something um, you know and she'll call his name and wave his favorite toy and it works uh, so there you have it uh, you know the observation is her user research she's done her user testing and then she's applied what she's learned through the process the end result a happy little fed baby and that tells me that we as humans have an innate ability to communicate and adjust our behavior accordingly to better connect with one another. Uh, so if a five-year-old can do it, so can a legal professional, I think. Right, that's, that's, I love that example, it's brilliant. <laughs> but, okay, so we're, we're not talking, we're, we're talking about something that when you hear about it, you think like, well, it makes so much sense. Why is it only happening now? So I think it was always happening in some shape or form. It was just never something that someone had said, wow, this is important. I remember spending many hours uh, doing, um, you know, explainer PowerPoints, and I still do. Um, but now it's being recognized, and that's thanks to Margaret Hagen at the Stanford Law School and, uh, and, and other um, legal design practitioners and professionals in Europe and the Nordics who are talking about it, training others, and, and really pushing the idea. Um, I think also that, um, that, you know, fintechs changing the landscape. Um, that's really pushed the, the large institutions to kind of move and do something um, to keep up. Um, have fintechs cracked the code? Maybe not completely, but there's a lot that we can learn there. Um, and, you know, customers have a choice. So it's time to, to do something about it. Right, of course. And, and, and as, you, as you mentioned in your example of Revolut, it's, it's something that fintechs are increasingly adopting as a way of, of carrying out their business. And it, I think it fits in very well with that mindset of simplicity and making things easy for the customer. Right, exactly. And, and now that there is research and, um, you know, numbers that quantify the benefits of using legal design um, for an organization. Legal is being democratized, if you will, through this transformative process, making it um, accessible to many more people. Right, right. So and tell me a little bit now about um, what, what are the specific benefits that customers can experience from having legal or having their, their financial institution apply legal design? Yeah. So uh, creating good user experiences for customers interacting uh, with any of the, dig uh, the digital interfaces uh, that an organization has um, can create positive associations with that company. Um, and, uh, you know, happier customers don't look for other providers. Mm. Um, using plain language can empower customers that maybe face illiteracy or lack an understanding of the language. Um, and that could pos have a positive impact on social problems like debt because people understand their obligations when agreeing to financial products. Um, and also um, an overarching kind of um, 
benefit is a clear allocation of risks and responsibilities and therefore accountability. And again, that's really important because uh, you, are, you are improving your relationship with your customers um, and you are um, you know, building trust. Well, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. What, what about the benefits that corporations or like organizations like Nordea can, can experience for, from, from legal design? Yeah, from an organization perspective, um, you would have uh, you would re you reduce litigation and lawsuits. So when two parties clearly understand the legal information, then it reduces the risk of litigation, and therefore the um, the the costs and the losses that, organ that an organization can experience as a result of that. Right. Um, another thing uh, is uh, improved operational efficiency. So what I mean by that is that um, it reduces the time that you're reading documents, rewriting documents and incorrectly applying internal policies. When employees understand very clearly uh, their internal policies and apply them correctly uh, because of clearer and um, you know, easier uh, messaging or, or simplified messaging, then it reduces risks such as uh, regulatory non-compliance, which is basically right. when you apply um, regulations incorrectly within an organization. Okay, and then if we focus a little bit on, on the disruption of the industry, we've seen technology disrupt product lines, they've disrupted operations, they've, they've disrupted uh, the customer experience, the front end. How has technology disrupted the legal function? So I think that um, if you look at legal within financial institutions, the field is wide open. So much can be done. Um, from tools that facilitate information design to tools that measure the effectiveness of that approach. From a process perspective, I think there's a lot of innovative solutions in the rec tech space mm. um, that, um, that improve compliance processes, um, document management. Um, and these tools are uh, targeting compliance and risk professionals but there's a very close relationship between legal compliance and risk. And so the tools um, for compliance and risk professionals can easily be utilized and be beneficial for uh, legal professionals. Right. So in your, in your view, how can organizations create a more human-centered approach in the way in which they deal with, with regulation, especially when it comes to focusing on the customers? So um, I think or every organization is different. Um, the customer segmentation is different, uh, the markets it's targeting, geographies, and therefore the regulations that apply to it would be different. And so depending on a lot of these factors, you could then look at the most appropriate approach for that organization. But what I do think is that uh, it would be beneficial for an organization to think about what human-centered really means. And I think that it's important to think about the customer not just in a business context, but also in a social context. So about that customer, that customer's family, where they live, um, their society, their environment. And then an organization can then start to think about how it can be so more socially responsible and positively impact that human's environment. Um, I think it's also important to always put the customer um, at the center of this thought process. Um, it's fine to become digital 
Um, through it, we then use less paper, we're more sustainable. Um, it's great, some customers love it. But then there are some customers that we need to cater for that do not necessarily want to be digital. Mm. They want the physical interaction. And again, you know, it's very important to be um, uh, customer uh, uh, focused and to think about all of the different types of customers that uh, an organization needs to cater for. Uh, just to close, uh, what changes do you expect to see in the legal function within financial services in the next two to five years? So I think we'll start to see a people shift. Already we see an importance being put on how to better communicate legal information to customers. Um, but you need different skills to do that. You need design, um, you need behavioral science to understand uh, people's behavior and therefore how um, or, or what the best way to communicate with them is and the most impactful way. Um, I think that also uh, legal will um, will become less of a service provider and more an integral part of the revenue generating part of the business. Okay. Um, so many times I've seen legal professionals being a supplement to what uh, everyone else is doing in a company. But I think that will slowly change as long as they are empowered to become more customer centric. And uh, technology can be a great facilitator of that and a great partner to legal professionals. Right. Well. With that, Abda, thank you so much for coming and for enlightening us on this new idea of, of legal design. It's really, really interesting and we're definitely looking forward to learning more about it. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great to be here. Thank you.